welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Welcome, Kathleen Melvin. So I don't even know where I want to dig in first because I think I want to start with a TEDx talk. So a lot of people are really interested in how do you get to do a TEDx talk? And you not only have done one, but you actually help people develop and get their own TEDx talk. So let's start with that. So the question of how do we get how do we yeah, get our, the whole thing? Like, talk? how did you get your talk and how do you help other people kind of develop their TEDx talks? For me, my TEDx journey goes back a very long time, even before TEDx existed. Actually, when I was in high school, my sport of choice was speech and debate. And so I competed as a speaker all the way up to the national level. And that was where my heart and my passion really was, along with performing in theater during those years. And so when TEDx started in 2009, and those talks started coming out online, I watched them and I thought, oh my goodness, this feels so familiar. This feels so much like the work that I was already doing. I want to do this someday. But at the time, I was working as an actor in Chicago, which was where my first career was. And it wasn't a high priority for me. So I sort of set it aside until I had made some changes in my life and come across some challenges that inspired me to share a specific message, which was turned into my talk, which is called The Brave Leap Sideways. And it's all about how we can get stuck in a career, in a relationship, in an educational track, and how hard it is and how scary it can be, but also how important it is to take your brave leap sideways off of the treadmill of life so that you can find the next right path for you. And When I gave my TEDx talk, I was also working as a copywriter, which I do now. That's still one of the services that I offer in my business. And I had given the talk and I was engaging my community, getting ready for the talk to come out online. And people in my business network started looking at my history and being like, wait a minute, you were a competitive speaker. You were an actor and a director. You work now as a writer and an editor. Those are all skills that are necessary for success in TEDx. And so they started sort of like looking at me squinty-eyed and going, hey, I want a TEDx talk. Can you coach me? And so it was really an organic process of coming to that work that I do now. And the TEDx work that I do to bring people all the way through that process from idea generation all the way to getting up on the stage it fits in a really lovely way under that messaging umbrella in the same way that my work as a copywriter does. And so it just feels very natural. And I'm so glad that I got those nudges from the people around me because this balance of working with clients as a copywriter, where I write websites and email sequences and sales pages mostly, and then this work as a TEDx coach, it integrates so well and brings me joy in a lot of different ways. 
Well, and I would also say that your background in acting and directing make Mm -hmm. you a great coach in that regard as well, because we all know that when you're speaking publicly, that your body language matters and your positioning Mm -hmm. and how you breathe and all those things. And that's something as someone who has always been interested in acting, I know that all that is part of it. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like a lot of the side steps that you took in your own career really made you the right person to do these things and to offer that so that when the opportunity presented itself, it was a natural yes for you. I think so too. And it's interesting to look back at all of those lily pads that I've left <laughs> and see how they've led me to the work that I'm doing now in this really lovely way. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your business in general, Right Cat Creative. Talk a little bit about how that came to be and how you work with people. I know I'm asking you like these big, <laughs> cumbersome questions. So let's start from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> these are like 10 conversations and you and I have had conversations before. So let's start with Right Cat Creative. Tell us about the name of your business. So when I started Right Cat Creative, I was getting ready to transition out of the theater industry. And my first business, as I was working as an actor and director, I also owned a national touring children's theater where we sent educators out and put on plays with kids all across the United States. And I was getting ready to leave that company and start my own thing because my first business I had a business partner with. And I was working with a mentor who was like, don't worry about your name. Don't worry about your name. Just get a name out there. Don't don't get stuck in a decision about that. And so I really took that to heart. And I wanted to be Blue Cat Creative. (laughs) That's where the name originally came from. And interestingly, there was already a Blue Cat Creative who makes jewelry. And apparently the idea of a blue cat is very popular because there are several businesses when you Google it that already have a similar name. And so I just was like, okay, but I have to have a name so that I can move forward. I'm not going to get stuck here. So I made a list of other adjectives that were only one syllable long. And right is the one that stuck. Funnily, because of my business name, people assume that I am called Cat because yes. my name is Kathleen, and so they naturally shorten it. I'm not called Cat. No, you're um, not in in general. <laughs> <laughs> and so I try to in some of my messaging, I try to refer to my cat Tucker as the right cat of Right Cat Creative because he is my only staff member. And I'm also hopeful that if people associate Tucker with the name, they will not assume that my name is Cat. So that's That's the story of the name. Yeah, that's great. And you didn't even (laughs) use blue on your website because your signature color seems to be purple. So yeah, I do use blue sometimes as sort of it's in my palette, but my main colors are, are purple and teal. Yeah. So you do a lot of copywriting and people I think that next to PR, which is kind of my overarching umbrella for what I do, copywriting is maybe the next category of work that people really, they only have an idea of what it is, but they don't really understand 
how much it's used in different places, why it's important to have consistent messaging, or even what a copywriter actually does. And why is copywriting so important to a brand, whether it's a personal brand or a corporate brand? I think that copywriting is really essential because it's what allows you, and this is like about copy in general, and even backing up, copywriting is any words that you put out there with the intent for the reader to take an action. So it's not necessarily that your copywriting needs to sell something like with money, (laughs) but your copy might ask people to opt into a free thing. Your copy might ask people to take an action like sending you a DM or commenting on a social post. And so copywriting is a really broad sort of category of writing, but it's essential for businesses because it is what helps your audience take that action. You can be putting out tons of content that might be enlightening or helpful or educational, but unless that content is leading the reader or the listener to take a specific action, then absorbing it is all they're going to ever do. And they aren't going to join your list. They aren't going to comment on your things and help boost your the algorithm. They're not going to click buy if you're not telling them to. And so I think where businesses sometimes get a little sticky is they understand the importance of copywriting. And so they want to bring someone on as their copywriter But there's some foundational work that really has to happen first. You have to know what you want. You have to know who you're talking to, who that ideal client is, or who your best client is that you want to draw more of that type of person in. And you have to know what your overarching message is. And so sometimes people come to me and they're like, well, yeah, no, I know I need a website. Right. (laughs) Can you write that for me? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, well, I could, but all of that foundational stuff isn't really work that I do. There are branding experts who take you through, Lorraine is raising her hand, (laughs) that take you through that process of establishing your values and figuring out what your mission is and who your ideal client is and all of that that's really important. And I used to do some of that when I was starting out and really bringing newer businesses to me that needed that broader help. But over my years as a copywriter, I've really pulled back into, I'm in charge of the words. I write the words for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. And it's not just newer businesses. I've had businesses come to us that you know, we fired our marketing agency because they just don't get us only to find out that they never they really don't. set the yeah. foundation. They don't know. And mm-hmm. they might've been in business for 10 or 20 years. And sometimes it gets lost. Sometimes founders sell, people move on, or sometimes it's still there in the founder's head, but it's never mm-hmm. really been brought out. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, the work that I do, the work that you do, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's a participatory event. You've got to 
give us stuff. So, you know, you can't just tell someone, go create a website for me, right? Because your website, (laughs) even if say you're the plumber down the street, your website is going to say something different than the other plumber down the street, you know? And it really needs to. If it it doesn't say something different, then why are people going to go to you instead of that other plumber? Right, right. Otherwise, yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about how you view the copywriter's role. And when you work with someone, ideally, what does that look like? When I onboard a client, and like I said, most of the time that's either to write their website or to write a sales page and an email sequence for a launch or something like that. The first thing that I do is I send them a questionnaire and it's specific to the project. So you'll get different questions depending on what I'm writing for you and what you're selling, what your program or your service is, because I do primarily work with service providers. And then I will synthesize all of that information. And then we'll get on a call to where I can ask clarifying questions. Mm -hmm. The client can ask questions saying, hey, you asked this. This is what I put down. I'm not, is that what you're looking for? So that we can make sure that I am really on the same page as my client before I ever start writing. And so those questions, some of them are really broad about your values, about your vision and your mission, about your story and how you got there, because I also work with personal brands. So having that story woven in is really important. And then some of them will get specific and logistical. It'll be, well, when your client signs up for this particular workshop, How do they meet you? Is it on Zoom? Is it, do you come to their office? And so it's really a broad range of information that I take in from my client. And I try to make it as specific to them as possible. So they're not having to dig up information that's ultimately not going to be very useful. But I'm also an information gatherer. Sometimes my clients ask me like, I just, I wrote so much. I hope it wasn't too much. And I'm like, (laughs) it's never too much. Because even if you, you know, tell a story in your questionnaire that I don't end up putting in your email sequence, I still know that about you and about Mm -hmm. all of those details. And so it will color the information that I do put into the sequence or into the sales page or whatever it is that I'm writing for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, writers understand that, but sometimes it's hard for people who don't write to understand, well, you didn't use that. How do I know it's there? And Mm -hmm. I think one of the, and you tell me, but I think one of the ways is when you give copy to someone and they're like, oh, you got me, right? then you know that even if you didn't use something word for word, that's the color, that's the flavor Mm -hmm. of their personality coming through in the copy. And that, I believe, and tell me what you think, getting someone's voice right and having it sound like them is really what distinguishes an exceptional writer from a good writer. I definitely think that that's one of the ways. And that's one of the, that's probably the the way that clients feel that exceptional writing the most. There are so many times that people have come to me and I had a client who 
the first time that we worked together, I had given her a first draft. And the way that I work, I give you a first draft, you have a few days to make comments, and then we get on a call to, again, calibrate and make sure we're on the right page before I integrate those comments into my final draft. And we got onto that call and she said, you know, Kathleen, I I have to tell you that I really avoided looking at your draft. I waited till the last minute because she had disappointing experiences before where she had had other people write for her. And then she would read what they wrote and be like, that's not it's not me or that's not what I want to reflect or, you know, anything like that. And so she said, you know, I, I had avoided it. And then the outcome was she also told me I was a total weapon and some other really fun things that I was like, yeah, that's I, and, right. yeah. And I love to be that. I'm sorry that people have that experience. And I definitely see other writers out in the world that it's interesting as a creative, I think we get, we have a lot of imposter syndrome. And part of that for me is that I look around at other writers and I see other writers sometimes being celebrated and people being like, oh, that's so good. I love that, whatever. And I read it and I'm like, ooh, ah, <laughs> really? Yeah. And so then I think, well, but people love the work that I do. If I were more objective, would I look at the work that I do and be like, why why did you do that? That's not great. (laughs) And I don't think that, I do think that objectively I do good work. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's Um, important to state. Yeah. But it is really lovely getting that feedback from people who maybe were hesitant to hire another writer because they've had less than excellent experiences in the past. And then I come back and I've reignite their faith in copywriters. Do you think it's like, you know, like other things like buying shoes, which sounds like a ridiculous comparison, but sometimes it's about the fit. I mean, what do you think that is? I mean, it's not always possible to hit it out of the park the first time. So let's just say to people that maybe have worked with a writer and are just starting to, and they're not quite sure that person gets them. I mean, it does Mm -hmm. get better with time, but there's also, okay, this is okay, but we've got to work with it. And there's, oh no, this isn't right at all. Mm -hmm. So is that about finding the right writer? What do you think? I think that in general terms, the answer is yes. (laughs) I think it's about finding the right writer. But what the right writer means could be any number of things. For me, I think that one of the reasons I'm the right writer for the people that I'm right for, one of those reasons is my background as an actor. Mm -hmm. There really is no other activity that teaches you empathy and teaches you voice. Like for over a decade, my literal professional job was saying other people's words and making them feel real. It was putting on other people's clothes and living in that person's body. And so I think that that really helped train me to be an excellent copywriter. And then like on a different side of the work, I also think that your systems matter a lot. One of the things that is always included, no matter what the project is in the questionnaire that I send out, 
is I ask for at least three written samples and three video or audio samples of this brand's voice. So sometimes that's a podcast recording or sometimes that's a blog or sometimes that's an article that they wrote. But I want to see how they have represented their voice. And so if I get to listen to recordings of Facebook Lives and things like that, I hear not only their cadence and their tone and where they pause and that energy of their voice, but I also get to hear the phrases and the words that come up for them. One of my clients says, as she talks, she says the phrase, have a think, have a think on that. And I love it so much. (laughs) And then things like that will stick out. And I create a document, their voice that I can then look back and say, oh yeah, this is the way that I've said this, but this is actually the way that they would say it and and pull that phrase in. And so having that process, I think is really important too. And the process is different for every writer. Right. But if you're bringing on a writer and they're like, I don't know, let's just have a conversation and then I'll write something. I might be a little, a little concerned about that. (laughs) So that, that leads into my next question for people listening and thinking about, oh, you know, I'm not a strong writer or even people who are, who just want to be able to hand certain things off. What would you tell them about looking for the right copywriter for them or their business? What kinds of things should they ask or look for in a copywriter? I think that copywriting is one of those things that it can be really helpful, number one, to ask for referrals from the people in your network who already know who you are and how you exist out in the world. Because I might have a copywriter and you might ask me, for a referral, but I'll be like, ah, this person might not be the best fit because like, I can just feel the difference in that energy or something like that. Yeah. If you're starting fresh though, the nice thing about working with a copywriter is that our work is already out there online and not just like a portfolio, which I would encourage you to look at too, so that you can see how their voice changes. Mm -hmm. But you can see if you go to their website, you can probably assume that they've written their website. Right. (laughs) And that they've created that work. They probably didn't hire (laughs) another writer to write their website copy. So does it resonate with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And, And I think energy is something that we don't talk about enough, but probably should. If you're super high energy or if you're super irreverent, you want a writer who can convey that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really can pick up your personality so that it does sound like you and people reading it that also mm-hmm. know you will think that, you know, yeah, this sounds a lot like you. Also that it's consistent across different places that you show up, right? And so you said that, you know, you write website content, you do email marketing, you do landing pages, sales pages, things like that, so that you can continue that voice. And I think that's something we don't think about either, you know? So talk about why for a minute, the consistency of voice is so important in copywriting on different platforms and channels. 
I think we're all familiar with the phrase, no like trust, maybe to the point where when we read that, our eyes sort of glaze over at this point. (laughs) But the reason that it's everywhere is because it's true. Your clients have to know who you are. They have to like how you exist in the world Mm -hmm. and they have to trust the work and the process that you have, you showcase. And one of the ways that humans learn to trust is through consistency in the same way that a child learns that their parent is going to take care of them because every morning they wake up and they gently get pulled out of their crib and they get fed. You need to have that consistency of who you are as a human and what your message is as a business throughout your social media, throughout your website, your emails, everywhere that you show up. And that's one of the reasons too, that you want your copywriter to really be able to emulate your voice. Because if you host a podcast, that's you, that's you direct from your mouth into the ears of your audience. And so if at the end of your podcast, you say, oh, and go download my ebook and they download the ebook and it sounds like a different person, they're going to be like, wait, is this person the same literal person? Is this a different side of this person that I have not experienced? Like what is happening here? And so you really want them to jump from one platform to another and believe that's the same voice and believe that that's the same person to increase that trust. And in a lot of ways to fast track that trust, the more that they feel that consistency, the faster they're going to learn to trust you I as think a business that's owner. A really brilliant insight, the consistency piece. And you're right for all the reasons that you stated it, it really is a trust builder you know, because otherwise people are thinking, who is this person, right? Mm -hmm. And so that consistency of message is super important. I would be neglecting my audience if I didn't say you live a pretty interesting life. You recently moved from Florida to North Carolina. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. And so talk about a little bit about, you know, why, and you lived in Chicago before that, because you were Mm -hmm. acting. Um, moving and why I guess that the excitement and the story behind your moves. I am not a person who like a lot of people really one of their goals is to be a digital nomad and and to be able to travel and move around and I really like to be home. I like to be home but I also like the freedom of spontaneity and the freedom of movement that my business provides me. When I was first starting this business, I did a lot of values work and a lot of you know journaling exercises and that sort of thing about what I wanted from my business. And it was really important to me that I could cultivate a life of calm because I live with anxiety, I live with depression, And I know that those things get a lot worse when I am feeling frenzied or when I feel like a loss of safety and security in my life. And so calm is something that I really do try to cultivate. It was also really important to me to have agency and autonomy and be able to make choices. 
And then that freedom of spontaneity and the freedom of autonomy was really important to the freedom of movement because I don't live near my family. I have several sisters. One of my sisters has four kids. My mom's getting older. And I want to be able to go at a moment's notice Mm -hmm. if one of the kids needs me, if my mom needs me, you know. And so the last three-ish weeks, actually, I was not home. My cat and I took a road trip back to the Midwest. <laughs> the I, right cat. <laughs> yes, Tucker, the right cat of Right Cat Creative. He often comes with me when I travel because I'm happier when he's around and he's happier when I'm around. So we took a road trip and I spent a couple days in Wisconsin with my family. And then I spent a couple weeks in Chicago with, I was staying with my best friend and visiting my community up there and just being able to have that freedom where I was working. I took my laptop, I took meetings, I wrote email sequences while I was there, but I didn't have to be tied to anything. And so that's really where that freedom comes in for me in a different way than it does for some like more traditional digital nomads. It's not an identity that I have, but I do make use of having a digital business that doesn't, doesn't tie me to a specific space. That's great. And how do you choose just real quick that the places that you live, because you've, you know, you've moved a few times. How do you choose where you want to go next? And do you think you're going to keep continuing to relocate? The reason that I moved to Florida was because I had taken a quick detour in between my theater career and my messaging work. And I had tried to go to law school tried to go. I did go. I went to law school and I... You would have been a great litigator. (laughs) You know, I think I would have been a really excellent attorney in a lot of ways, but it wasn't that being in school wasn't providing me that calm that I needed. And it wasn't providing me the autonomy that I needed. And there were a lot of reasons that it had made sense for me to make that choice. But it's also a long sort of journey from the point at which you say, yeah, I want to go to law school. Well, then you spend time studying for the LSAT and you take the LSAT and then you retake the LSAT usually and you wait for your results and then you apply and you wait. So it was like a two year difference between when I said that's what I'm going to do. And then when I actually stepped foot into what at the time was a virtual classroom because it was 2020. (laughs) And uh, things had changed in my life. Um, What I had thought was a permanent relationship ended. Some other things changed too. And it just wasn't the right fit anymore. And that's actually what inspired my TEDx talk was Uh. the, yeah, it was the challenge of like, I'd gotten a full ride scholarship. That was the biggest gift the universe had ever given me. And so to make the decision to say, no, thank you. I'm going to go do something scary. Uh, was really hard. And so, yeah, that's what inspired my TEDx talk. And then North Carolina, when I had been applying for law schools, I had thought that I might end up in North Carolina because at the time, my partner, who is no longer my partner, hasn't been my partner for years, was living outside of Charlotte. And so I thought, well, I'll go to school in North Carolina and I will practice in Charlotte. 
And through that process, <laughs> losing that relationship, doing the research about North Carolina, I realized that the Raleigh-Durham area was actually probably a better fit for me. And I liked it regardless <laughs> of the fact you. that I wasn't in that's that relationship so anymore. Yeah. So that's where I am now. And and I do hope that it's a permanent place. I Like I said, I like to Great. have that. But if it's not, then I will try somewhere else and we'll see. That's such an interesting story. I feel like maybe your next life is doing a one woman show on all the the different (laughs) roles you've had. And I love that I've met so many women through doing this podcast that have reinvented themselves, maybe not fearlessly, but with grit and grace and Mm -hmm. just a lot of courage. And I so admire that. And I don't think that there's anything that takes more courage than walking away from a path that you've spent time and consideration putting in place and admitting that it wasn't the right one. And and let's be clear, moving is no easy thing either. It's emotional and physically taxing to pick up your life and move it somewhere else. So mm-hmm. I just want to say that I honor that. I respect your vulnerability in sharing these things with our audience. And you're just really a really interesting and cool person, (laughs) not to fangirl on my own podcast, but I just (laughs) really love your story and your evolution. And I, I'm so appreciative of you sharing that. So how can people find out more about you, whether it's as a TEDx coach so that they can get their own talk ready and try to get a TEDx talk for themselves, or if they're inspired by what they heard about copywriting and maybe need a talented copywriter. So I want to direct people to my website, writecatcreative.com slash links, because that's where I have some freebies that you can take a look at if you're interested in TEDx, you can sign up every once in a while. I do a TEDx Q&A live where you can come and get your questions answered. So that's on there. There's also a free TEDx planner that I love that just helps you take the guesswork out of that planning, out of how much time you need to schedule to write and edit and memorize and rehearse your talk and all of that. And then there are some copywriting related ones to like, I have a free guide to that. It's five ways to showcase your business values and really begin earning that business relationship quality that you really wanted. So that's all at writecatcreative.com slash links. It's R-I-G-H-T cat creative.com. We will put the links in the show notes. So if you're listening, just don't worry about pulling over to the side of the road to write this (laughs) down. Just go check the show notes later and we'll have all the links there. It's really exciting and generous, Kathleen. So this is the Prosper Project. So I feel like we kind of danced around and you may have answered this already, but can you tell our listeners what it means for you to prosper, to have a life of prosperity? What does that look like and feel like for you? For me, it goes back to my list of values and those two that are at the top of being able to cultivate calm and live a life of autonomy. Those are the ways in which I can be healthiest and in which my business can serve my life rather than like living to live my business, which is in a lot of ways how I lived when I had my first business for eight years. 
And so constantly coming back and asking the question, like, does this align? Mm -hmm. Does this project align? Does this trip align? Does this new program that I'm brainstorming align with those values? And something that I, I find really helpful and I encourage people to do is to return to your values once a quarter and check through them. Has anything shifted? Not only in asking, are there values that aren't represented that I should put on my list? Or are there values that don't really feel good that I want to take off my list? But also, where do they fall on the list? What's at the top? What's the priority? And create that prioritized list all the way down. Because there are going to be times in your life where two values contradict each other. And so having done the sort of pre-work of where what's more prioritized, what's less prioritized can be a really simple, not necessarily easy, but simple way to reduce that stress in those moments when they do come up and they butt against each other. That's really wise. So everyone take that to heart. I always say to revisit your values at least once a year, but Kathleen's telling us quarterly. And I think that makes a lot of sense as we do our 90 day sprints or whatever you're planning on a quarterly basis to start with those values. Well, Kathleen Melvin, it has been such a joy and a pleasure to talk with you today on the Prosper Project. I really appreciate you showing up with so much vulnerability and transparency and really all the gold nuggets that you shared with our listeners today. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I've loved being here and chatting with you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.